Welcome to the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast, where we explore what it means to grow daily and find our best in every aspect of life. Welcome back to another episode of the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast. I'm John Shirky here with my friend, my co-host, Jamie Wagner. Jamie, good to see you. You as well, man. Um, it is it's happiness time here in Minnesota. We got 50s today. I mean, life is life is good when the weather changes more sun daylight savings time, like more nighttime sun. I should, it doesn't change the actual amount. It just how much you interact with it, I suppose. Um, no life, life is good. It's, it's been a, it's been a wild ride here, but, but I'm excited to continue to take, take these steps with some more outside time. You imply that the weather dictates your mood and your outlook on, on where you're at. Is that true or not true? I think it affects all of our mindsets, John. I think it, I think it creates, um, you know, I, there was something I, I read, uh, in a book by Josh Waitzkin called the art of learning where he takes his, he, when it's raining outside, he says, he doesn't say, oh man, we can't go outside. It's raining. He says, Hey, look, it's raining. What a cool opportunity to go outside. Right. We have been conditioned in life to, to be responding to the weather. So, I don't, I'm going to try and do better is what I hear you challenging me with today, John. Hey, that's what we're here to do. Sharpen each other and grow alongside of our listeners. And today is no exception. We have a Hall of Fame wrestling coach from South Dakota. Incredible stuff. Programs, multiple programs, starting program, all the way from startups to success to the whole gamut, high school, college. Jamie, who did we get to talk to? Uh, Tim Holman was the head high school coach of uh, one of my college roommates uh, is currently working at Augustana university um, as a, as a liaison to their sports, to their athletes, kind of that transition between academics and athletics. And I think when I think about that role, his current role, no longer a coach like that is kind of who he was as a coach, right? That liaison between sport and life, right? And that when you, are that person in your program you aren't the lid on the program you're the catalyst to the program because you're integrating whole people into your program i thought that was really cool to talk about agreed i i think the other thing that was relatable for me was the the commitment piece and you will hear it over and over and over and we've talked about this before say it off and make it burn right he lives his life this way he creates environments around himself for himself and other people that require commitment. And so if you're like all of us have ever been in a spot where you're like, man, should I do this? Should I not? What do I actually stand for? How do I order my life in that way? He's got some great examples. He, he's a living example of that in this conversation. And he committed to something way back in 1989 that has become more in vogue right? Doing imagery, doing visualization, bringing mental skills into the practice room every single day. I thought that was a, that was a crazy thing. When I heard about that from my roommate, Aaron, I'm like, how often do you guys do that every day? No way. Not possible. Right. No coach makes that much time for it. And then he's like, I've been doing this since 1989. Whew, blew my mind. We got better today. You will as well. Here we go. Coach Tim Holman, South Dakota Wrestling Hall of Fame inductee recently. Um, 
an amazing tenure in, in this sport, growing young men in, in South Dakota, 55 years. Welcome to the program. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to the conversation. Coach, I, I want to start. I have a question about Hall of Fame. What does that mean for you to kind of devote your whole life, uh, not your whole life, but a good chunk of your life to, to growing the sport, growing young men and building communities and to be honored in such a way? What, I, I just can only imagine spending that much time and then being recognized in such a way because it's, it's a really unique and, and pretty um, exclusive fraternity to, to be inducted into a hall of fame in any capacity. So maybe just tell us a little bit about what that was like to, to, to have that honor. Well, the honor comes with uh, people getting a hold of you and talking with you about the experiences they've had in the past and, you know, the effects that uh, I've had on their life and they've had on my life and how we were able to share. Um, probably one of the, I lost my brother a year ago now to, uh, cancer. And he's the one that brought wrestling into my life when I was eight years old, he brought it home and, and, uh, dad was, I don't know about this. And then all of a sudden it just took off from there. And, uh, I, I've always had to give him credit for giving me, uh, my vocation in life of using the sport that he brought home to us, our family and created a family atmosphere. And then I took it from what our family did and took it and used that type of attitude on how uh, I used it in my um, competition years and into my, into my uh, coaching years. Is can that you speak? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Can you speak to how you brought family in? Cause I think that's a really unique thing that a lot of people try and do. And some people are successful. And from the people that I've talked to that know you, you were exceptional at this. I think the, the, the biggest thing is you, you accept people for who they are. And I think one of the biggest things that I've, I've learned in my life, whether it be in as a husband, as a father, as a teacher, as a coach, is that you influence people, you don't control people. And what you need to be able to do is that you, you set up a, you set up your life to where um, the things you do, you're influencing people to, yeah, I want to do that type of, uh, thing that coach is doing right now. I want to be able to um, hopefully look back at coach and thank him for what he did for me. And it's when I, when I retired, my wife and daughters threw a, uh, a surprise uh, retirement party for me. And I had kids come back from my first year and he brought his 95 and 96 year old mom and dad with him. And he was 52 or 53 at that point. And I had another kid fly in from Phoenix, uh, some fly in from Denver. Um, Aaron came down from Minneapolis. Um, they were coming from all over. And I think the, the part that sticks to me most is they never talked about their wins and losses. They talked about what we did to help them create a family of their own. And when you have wives that say, hey, thanks for making my husband who he is, that that makes you feel good as a coach and that you must've did something right for the lives of these kids to, to make them feel good, to make them know how to honor the people around them as long as they're honoring themselves and who they are as a person. Coach, when did you know that wrestling was going to kind of be your vocation and, and kind of 
in golf who you were and, and what you wanted to give back to, to the people that you got to serve all those years? For me, I think it started right when I started when I was eight years old and just loving every minute of going out there and, and just competing and learning how to compete and not worried, worried about the wins, but worried about how hard can I compete and the wins will take care of themselves. But if I compete, I can walk off that mat and feel, feel very good about myself and what I did when I leave it all out there. Hey, I'm a winner in life. And I think that's when you talk about, you know, my, my, uh, my verse for my life is Proverbs 16, three, it's commit unto the Lord, whatever you do and your plans will succeed. And to me, that's what I did when I went out there and that makes you feel good. And so whatever you do, make a commitment to it and follow through with it. Absolutely. I, I think about this, this role that, that sport has played in so many of our lives. It's taught us how to do that, right? It taught us how to commit to something because we wanted desperately an outcome, you know, but then it kind of, you know, I think for me personally, wrestling more than anything else in my life probably has, has committed like deep learning about what that is, right? We, we cut weight, we, we get up early to go work out. We, we know what six minutes is. And a lot of people are like, what six minutes, man, that's not that much. I like, go, go do it and tell me it's not that much. And then, you know, collegiately seven and, and to go deep into an overtime and wrestle eight and a half, nine minutes, like you have to know what commitment is like, did you always see that with sports and how did you give that to kids? Cause I think that is a really hard line that a lot of coaches are like, I can't get them to buy in. I can't get them to come with me to this thing. Like, how did you try and attack that, that challenge that so many of us face? I guess for me, I see if, if I show commitment and express how it can happen, um, Back in 1989, I started a thing in my practice that's called imagery. And we ended each day, each practice, we would sit and I would talk about, okay, what'd you do to make yourself a better person today? Did you help somebody out? Did you open a door? Did you pick up a paper for somebody that dropped it? What did you do? And having that commitment as a person is vital to that, that developing that in, in others. And I think with that commitment, what you show in those kids that you develop, knowing that, you know, for me, if you discipline somebody, they left you thinking they could take on the world. They screwed up and they were going to take responsibility for it. And they were going to be committed to becoming a better person because of that. And they felt good about themselves when they left, even though they had screwed up, they know somebody forgave them and somebody was committed to helping them out to become a better person. So I know we, <laughs> man, there's a lot in there. I want to go back to the first thing that you said, because I told you before we started recording, mental health is kind of my background and Jamie and I have veered ourselves into the sports performance and the mental side of performance field in the last, I suppose, five years or so. And you talk about instituting imagery, visualization in 1989 now, you know, when you say it, there's still coaches and, and programs that are like, eh, we don't use it. We don't, it's not a valuable, what does it actually do? 
Now you're talking about 1989, you start doing that. Where did that come from? And how did you at that point decide, hey, this is something I'm going to commit to um, moving forward? A guy named Mike Land, he wrestled for Iowa State. And we were working the uh, National FCA wrestling camp together. And he was using the imagery for the techniques that he used. And so he would show a technique and then everybody would have to sit and visualize that technique through that. And then I just decided, okay, I got to take this a little step further. And sometimes imagery talked about the technique, but I found more important is that you needed to visualize your whole life because I talk about uh, commitments. You have three commitments in your life or your top three commitments in your life is your first one is your commitment to being a good person. And for me, I'm a Christian. So I, I'm a, I'm a Christian. So my commitment is to God. The second is to my family. And my third is to the wrestling or job that I'm doing. I've totally tried to get it through the kids. If, if you're not a good person, if you're always screwing up, if you're going to be sitting in jail, if you're going to be sitting in the ISS room, you're not going to be able to compete. If you're having trouble with your family and fighting with your girlfriend or your wife or whatever, and you go try to compete, you're not going to be thinking about the match. You're going to be thinking about all that other stuff that's in there and you will not be committed to that match itself. So as we, you know, as we talked and worked into that and, and through the imagery, we, we got them to, okay, get your life and priorities straightened out and then we can take over where the wins take place or my, my wrestling will take place and I compete at the highest level possible. So I, I was talking to Aaron and, and we made mention of Aaron, Aaron Hadorf, my roommate, Aaron, hope you're listening. I know you will be, um, but he's my roommate in college and he's the reason I, I know who you are. I, I think what's really interesting is that I, I was talking to him and he talked about how varied the imagery was sometimes it was like, it was as detailed as put your hand here in a technique like you're talking about sometimes it was visualize yourself taking a test tomorrow morning getting your you know getting your studying in tonight where are you gonna do it and like how specific and how detailed that was and then he said you know we might we might do vi- imagery for 15 minutes before a section meet because we're gonna we're gonna walk through our preparation for the match we're gonna walk through wrestling a whole match you're gonna walk us through two minutes of of each period and then we're gonna see ourselves going up on top of the podium and receiving that award and have what does it feel like to be up there how did you develop the the detail and the the we we would say the kind of the contextualization the layers in that visualization, because if you read the research, that's where it becomes successful, right? It, it does, it's not successful if you just see yourself doing it. It's when you add like the senses to the process and you add emotion to the process. Where did you come up with that? Was just that built over time or how? I'm so curious about it. It's, it's hard to say, you know, I've led a lot of Bible studies and ran FCA and, you know, my faith is a lot of part of that because, you know, faith is, you know, believing in something that's a lot of people don't think is there and you, you believe it's there. And, um, and as, as you read the kids that are in front of you, you know, as a coach, you look over, you know, you see all kinds of, of athletes, of people, of you know, they, you see all types of trouble, you see all types of successes. And what you have to do is take that 
and try to mold, okay, what's my message going to be today? Because I see this is what's happening in part of their lives. And I got to be able to, what if you want to call it, normalize that, yes, this happens to everybody. This happens and we can get through it, but we just have to work together. We have to think through it. We have to be able to visualize ourselves being, being successful in every part of our life because um, one fasted people don't become successful. They might be successful in that little area, but you know what? Life's a whole bunch of areas. And how do we become successful in all those? We visualize ourselves in all those areas. We see what's important to one person may not be important to another, but you know what? If I can see why that's important to somebody else, that makes that person successful and helps me become successful because I can help that person and they'll turn around and they'll do something that'll help me out. And we can get that visualization. We can see what my, what my actions do help somebody else. And if, if they see, you know, I, I always had seventh through eighth graders in the room or seventh through seniors in the room. Because I wanted the seventh and eighth graders to see the success of the juniors and seniors. And I wanted those juniors and seniors to understand what leadership was about and how to help these people become better. That were the seventh and eighth graders. They didn't become the bullies. They didn't become, they became leaders and helped them help, help those younger kids understand what was important in life. What was being, you know, your academics important as well as your, your, uh, wrestling was important you know it's it's all those things you, you have to learn from each other and you know as those older kids helped the younger kids develop in all aspects they became better wrestlers because they had to explain the techniques to those younger kids and i tell you what you become a whole lot better wrestler once you've coached and you aren't kidding i, I remember i was probably 27 right i've been coaching seven years something like that and all of a sudden, just everything slowed down. Like, I mean, I'm still wrestling a little bit. I'm still in pretty good. And just how much. And it took a long time to get to that place where I was like, I could literally see, I could visualize what was going to happen seconds before it was going to happen. I think you know, that has happened in, in everything I've coached. I'm like, oh, I, I can feel this in a completely different way. Handing that over to your athletes is a really, it's a leap of faith, coach, right? To be able to say, okay. I want you guys to teach this where, I mean, again, you talk about your faith being a big part of that. Did you have that realization also? That was like, I'm so much better now that I've coached it, that you guys should coach it too. Uh, yeah. I, I know when I first started out in Webster, South Dakota, you know, I just, I got done with uh, school of my second all American and then I was taken off to coaching. And then as soon as I started looking at, it, I go, I can't teach them what I'm doing right now at this level. I got to break it down and make the, make it a little bit, uh, not quite as intense, but I still, uh, I don't know if Aaron ever talks about my intensity and breaking watches or bending a chair out beside me as I'm going down with frustration. <laughs> but, you know, I, I do get intense when I wrestle my wife. I said, how come you can be so intense on the mat? But when you walk into a restaurant, you'll let the waitress do things for you. you know? So, but um, as, as we're in, in those positions, 
Um, I remember going up to uh, Fargo, North Dakota and wrestling in the Bison Open. After I was out, you know, I wasn't even working out with the, the, the college anymore. I was working out with my high school athletes. And I went up there and got third place. I'd be three U of M guys there. The only guy that beat me was their, their varsity guy. And I beat the NDSU guys. And I ended up having seven matches in one day. And that was, that was a long day. <laughs> and we didn't have enough money. So we drove all the way back to Webster trying to stay awake driving. <laughs> but my wife was there cheering me on. So it was part of it all. But I just look at, okay, I was teaching those kids and I was able to make my technique so much better. And I, I had approved it as I got back into to, uh, the college, wrestling the college kids even though, you know, I, I hadn't practiced with them. It was my um, teaching of the other, of my high school kids to help me get better. And I thought, this is, this is how I can get everybody better on my team as they, if they have to teach it. So coach, I want to take you back. Cause I think I was a little bit convicted in my own coaching as I was reflecting hearing you talk about we have to address all the aspects of our athletes' lives, right? And right. certainly now I'm a full-fledged believer in that, and that's something that I teach to and I help people try to achieve. But when I think back and, and I hear a lot of coaches say this, and I've said this too in my own early career, it's like, no, no, when you come to practice, I need you to be here. I need you to forget, like pretend like all the rest of that stuff does. And, and there's some truth to that where we have to be able to separate and and show up and do our work. But at the same time, you're talking about bringing that in also because that whole piece is what is going to create the success and the, and the outcomes that you want on the mat and in life. And I, I think there's a lot of coaches these days that kind of shy away from that, you know, and they, they, they have a hard time saying, okay, how do I address these other things and get all the other stuff done that X's and O's, the technical stuff, and so maybe can you talk a little bit about how, how you, I mean, you talked about after practice, taking that time, any other ways you incorporated that kind of that whole holistic approach to your athletes and, and how you made the decision to say, Hey, this is important. I'm going to commit to this because just as much as the technical stuff is important, this is the really the thing that matters. I think it goes back to the commitments I talked about. Um, it's so important to get the kids know, yes, they want to be good at the sport we're in at this point. Mm. I want to, they want to be good at it, but they also know that you can't do that with the baggage that's there. You know, there's times where we have to compartmentalize a little bit in life. And if they can get through, you know, the first part of the, 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 the part of practice where you go through the techniques, you go through the getting in shape and all that, but they also know at the end of practice, we're going to address the issues to pull you together as a whole person. Because think of it, in the end of the day, you need to be a whole person. And if we can do that together, that, that's the important part. Um, but at the same point, we did compartmentalize of, okay, now we're practicing. Let's get through it. But they would also know if they're having a bad day, Let's talk about it before we, we start practicing a little bit. Uh, and let's, let's, let's get it so you can practice, and then we will concentrate a little bit more a little bit later. Um, we know you're probably not going to have the best practice in the world, 
but sometimes we got to deal with adversity and we got to get through it. I think that even just acknowledging that is powerful for the kid, right? Like you might not have a great practice today because you're dealing with this other thing. Like that's okay. Do your best, bring your best today, compete like crazy. And if it, if your best is 70% of your normal best, we'll go find that 70% today. You know, like give a hundred percent of what you have today. I, I, you know, uh, I think I've said this on the podcast before, but a friend of ours sent us a picture. It's like, your best is different on different days. It looks very different. Like, let's just go and attack that part of who we are today. And, and Aaron had, you know, had mentioned when I talked to him that, you know, if a kid had a disappointing result in a tournament, like you're up there talking to him about how do we deal with that disappointing result and then prepare ourselves for the next opportunity we're going to get to compete, you know? And he said, sometimes it was like, we weren't even really talking wrestling. It was the thing that I carried onto the map. Mm-hmm. What a powerful gift you give them to say that this other stuff matters too. Because I think so many times we're like, I can't talk to my coach about that. What did you do to foster those types of relationships beyond just meeting them when they were in trouble places or struggle spots. It probably goes back. Uh, I lost my mom to cancer when I was 15 and I, I watched her for the last year of her life die. I, I was given platelets. I was strung out with, you know, IV with blood running through them and getting the platelets out. And then just, just realizing that life is so much more important than one individual thing and knowing the, the, what the heartbreak is of, of watching a mom or a, a parent die. And at that point I was the, you know, I'm, I'm the youngest in our family and I have a special needs brother that's two years older than me. So I ended up becoming like a caretaker for him too. And then helping my dad get through things, you know, um, cause uh, dad and I were really close. Uh, and we, we did a lot of things together. You know, he didn't miss very many matches throughout my whole career and he drove all over the place, but you know what? He, he never talked about wrestling with me. It was, um, good job, Tim. You did your best in that. And that, that's one thing that interesting. You, you talk about it, Aaron. I'll never forget coming back on a, he got eighth, his sophomore year in the state tournament. And I was going back and I was talking to kids and yeah, sat beside Aaron. He goes, Hey coach, you know, why I wrestle. I said, no, Aaron, I, I don't know why you wrestle. He goes, cause my dad didn't know anything about it. And all he could do is come and cheer for me. And that helped his relationship between him and his dad is that, Hey, I can just cheer for you. And I think that's, that, that's what parents have to learn that, Hey, just cheer for your kid. Don't worry about, um, living your life through your kid again. Let your kid live his own life. Let, let that person become a person and support him in what he does. And if you can do that as an adult to the kids that are there, let them make choices, let them make mistakes, but let them also take responsibility for their actions and the mistakes that they do. Because that's where their growth is going to be. That's when they're going to start accepting things. That's when they're going to start making better choices, knowing that, hey, I'm responsible for who I am and what I do. So I got to start committing to the right things in my life. Man, again, so much stuff in there, coach. But 
So talk a little bit about that accountability piece. I mean, I think wrestling lends itself to it uh, because of the physicality, um, uh, the physical nature of one-on-one here, here we are, right. You're accountable in the match, but how about beyond that? How did you kind of instill that perspective that, Hey, ultimately I am the one who's responsible for my behaviors, my choices, my actions. And, and how did you, how did you build that in? Cause it clearly it's part of who you are and has been a part of your programs. That's right. You, you, you know what strength finders is? Yeah. Oh yeah. That's okay. That's my top one. You take responsibility for what you do. <laughs> and I guess, I guess that's where, where it comes from is it. I, I don't know if you remember a guy named Aaron Grauman. Yeah. I wrestled. Okay. Him. He was a national champ for Augie. He was, he was a two time yeah. state champ for me. And uh, I'll never forget when I started the program at USF and Aaron was over at, at Augie and I called up Aaron and said, Aaron, I've, I've come up with a good statement for my program. And he goes, coach, I bet you deals with commitment, doesn't it? <laughs> I said, yeah, how'd you know? He goes, because that's all you ever talk about, about commitment to the people around you, who you are as a person, who you you know, what you do, if you go out onto that mat, you're committed to what you need to do. If you're going to go into a class, be committed into being successful into that class. And it's, uh, you hit it just right. And what's, um, what was really funny, the, the last year I was at USF, we were down at nationals and the guys were getting their last workout in and all of a sudden I get a phone call and I look and I see it's, it's Aaron. And I, and I was like, Aaron, what's up? How you doing? He goes, pretty good coach. What are you up to? I said, well, we're at nationals. He goes, remember that imagery that we had to do in practice all the time? I said, yeah, Aaron. I goes, well, I'm in my uh, my cancer rotation in my doctor program, and we're using that with the chemotherapy people now so they can get used to the pain they have and be able to do that. So I guess who, you know, just who I am and what I portrayed as far as commitment, it wore off on people around them, and then they started noticing how it can be successful in other parts of their life. And it just, I think one of the, I'll never forget when I interviewed for the um, USF position, it it wasn't for a coaching position. It was, I was an assistant professor of education and uh, I was in a room. There was like 20 people asking me questions and they go, okay, now that you're at a Christian university, how are you going to change the way that you teach? Because you're around Christians all your time. And I looked at him, I said, I'm not going to change anything because I'm a Christian. If I change, I was cheating myself of who I was before this. So this is who I am and this is who you're going to get. They quit the interview and walked out <laughs> and I ended up with a job. So I thought, okay, I said something wrong or I said something good. <laughs> yeah. It's so interesting. You mentioned strength finders and then you mentioned Aaron Grauman. Like I said, a good friends there in Hadorf. I also wrestled Jeremiah Deegan, who was uh, one of your former athletes. And I think about the three of them and nothing about how they wrestle is the same. Like nothing about any of the three of them is consistent. They're all collegiate wrestlers. Aaron Grauman's a national champion. Um, you know, like they all had unique strengths. And one of the things that Hattie told me here just a couple of days ago, he's like, Tim was amazing at drawing out strengths and not being like, we have a style. You have to wrestle like us. We actually talk a lot on this program about identity, right? And having a firm foundation, a good like identity about who you are. And I think I hear commitment as your identity, but then 
commitment to who you are, right? Commitment to your personal strengths. Where did, like, how did you incorporate that into practice? Like, let's talk about practice a little bit because, you know, as a wrestling coach, it's really easy to be like, okay, everybody's running this one set of moves. It's really hard to have 30 guys in the room doing different stuff. How did you do that? Because it is a skill as a coach to say, I'm going to let you go and be your best self, but it's really hard to coach all those unique styles. Um, I guess the techniques I showed, I had everybody do the techniques and then they, they chose it. You know, think, think of the U of M heavyweight today. Yeah. You know, uh, Gable, Gable, do you see a, a person that big hit double legs, knee picks, yeah. things like that. Most time it's just lock up, throw and push around. Okay. That's the same way. I needed everybody to be able to do all different techniques, but then they got to pick what they really got wanted to work on, but they had to know because once you got into competition, if that person was good at something, at least you were practicing, you know, firemen's or you were practicing arm drags or you're practicing knee picks or that and you knew what it was going to feel like but i may i may like knee picks i may like underhooks and throw buys i may like snap downs yeah it's give those kids show them all so they all know what type of techniques are going to be used but let them pick what they like to do like with deegan you know (laughs) you just kind of threw your head on you know he was going to do everything and anything (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's what I mean. Like, like Aaron Hadorf is the most controlled wrestler I've ever seen, right? Just yes. stance pressure coming at you constantly. Grauman had amazing lungs, right? Just incredible fitness and was willing to push to the edge. Right. And then Deegan is like, I mean, what we would call a junker in wrestling, right? He's just junky. And like he threw anything at the wall. And if it stuck, it stuck. And he maybe got himself in trouble. And I just, I think it's so incredible that you were able to, you know, and what I'm, what I'm telling the coaches out there is like find ways to, to trigger your athletes to success in whatever way that best suits and fits them. I think it's amazing that you weren't like the lid on that. You know, I think so often coaches are the lids on our program rather than, the the catalyst for the program we want it to be what we want it to be rather than what it could be you know and i think when you say choose what works for you what fits you you have to choose and own this thing now you're catalyzing rather than being the lid for their growth and their development i i i I commend you in that i mean that that's an incredible incredible gift that that you give because I, i just remember a lot of coaches in my life being like no, you got to do it. This, this is the way to do it. This is the way to do it. I'm like, well, I think this will work too. Maybe. Right. I don't know. Well, and so. Jamie, I've been that coach and that's yeah. you know, going. So back have I. To, Absolutely. So, uh, but I agree. I agree with all of the things that you just said. <laughs> Sorry. There wasn't a question in there. I suppose. Um, I, I tend to do that a lot. I get a thought and then I'm like, I, I just have to get this out because you know, we're trying to serve coaches. You know, I think one of the things with, conversation is a gift, right? This conversation is a gift to us and to others because my favorite thing, and I've said this before on the podcast, like I get to talk to you guys that have all these things. And then I talk to a bunch of you that are from all over and, and, and I hear themes. And one of the themes that, 
that I I'm just more and more passionate about the more I do this is don't get in the way of your program, build your program. You had the opportunity to build a collegiate program from zero. You were the first head coach at USF. Is that right? After, let's see, they had wrestling back in like 69 and 70. Okay. And then, then I started it up again. And that was, it yeah. was interesting. So what, what, what was that like to, to be a high school coach moving to collegiate ranks with a brand new program? You know, obviously that commitment's your foundation. Um, there, you know, there's points where I think that might've been my, my, uh, best coaching because I kept, I'm thinking there was four kids that didn't win a match in four years, but every time I asked, they would say, yes, I'll wrestle now coach. Who can, when can I step in for you? And to me, that is a winner. That is somebody that, you know, you get beat a lot and you just don't feel that hot on a wrestling mat once you get beat like that, but to go through years of it, but still, Hey, what can I do? I'll wrestle for you now, coach. And, you know, we, we didn't win a whole lot, but we competed hard. But at the, at the same point, you know, I was wrestling on a track. I had to pull out mats and I had girls walking through the middle of practice as they were walking over to the exercise room. And I'm going, please don't come through here because there's bodies throwing all over the place. And it was sometimes a zoo trying to keep things together, <laughs> but it was, it was fun um, uh, to get to, see the kids at the next level up, you know, they, there's different problems that take place and different uh, scenarios that you have to deal with. And the same thing, uh, you, you, you give trust in them and you know that uh, kids are going to make, make mistakes. Kids are going to do great things. You know, I, I had a kid that was a published writer before he left school. You know, I had other kids that, um, you know, I, I had one heavyweight that uh, I was the third college coach he had and the first one to get him to make weight at heavyweight. Yeah. And that's, 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 and that was a great for him. But at that same point, his life wasn't in the right direction, but we had him there for a few months to where, yes, he got committed to what doing something. And I'm hoping that he's able to, to keep that into his life. Um, and it's fun. And, and right now I, I, I'm the, academic liaison between the athletes in the academic world at Augie here in the success center. And, uh, you, you deal with colleges is, is it's a fun situation, but sometimes it can be a frustrating situation, just like everywhere you go. But at that point, what you got to do is you just look at, okay, who, who am I as a person and how am I going to help this person realize what they can be in their life? how important it can be to trust them to be successful. And I think that that's a big thing when you build a program is that you put trust in yourself and you put trust in the athletes or the people that are part of your program and trust that they are going to make that commitment and they are going to do the right things and that they are learning something that that's going to make them a better person for their life. Well, and, and when you do that, like, to take it back to the beginning, you reminded me of a quote. I just, you know, and it's true of coaching leadership, being a parent, whatever it is, but it's not about getting people to follow you the first time. It's about people signing up the next time. Right. And saying, Hey, I, I, I will go wrestle right now, coach, even though 
I haven't won a match. I'll go wrestle for you. And I think that's a, that's a mark of a true leadership. And like you said, when you put trust in them and, and yourself and what you're doing, it gives them that freedom to say, Hey, I want to be a part of this and I don't know where it's going to take me. I don't know what it's going to require yet, but I want to go. And I, I just think that's something that is missing in a lot of our world today. Whereas I think people, you know, they don't, they don't want to sign up again because it's like, no, I want to find something easier or different or better. And because it's all about right now. And, and I think that's something that's an incredible gift that you have given. I, I don't know any of the guys that you're talking. I know Aaron Hadorf and, you know, having talked to Jamie about his conversation, one of the things he kept bringing up was like the stuff that I learned in those times, in those years from you, it comes up maybe not every day, but most days. And as a coach, as a leader, if you can give your kids your and then who end up being parents and employees and grandparents someday, if you can give them things that impact their life 55 years from now, man, what it, that's, that's the true, true mark of a coach, I think. And we, it's, it's cliche and we hear it all the time, but you know, it's, Hey, where are my, where are my athletes at? 20 years from now and I'll tell you how successful I've been, but yeah. Yep. It's, it's so important as a coach that you look at, you look at the people and the people they will become. And that's what you have to have in your life. Uh, if you want to stay in it and be successful at it. Um, I've seen a lot of coaches that came in and yeah, they were, they may have won a lot of right a lot of things right off the bat, but all of a sudden, boom, it dropped off on them. It's because you're, you know, you got to get your priorities straight. You got to get your commitment straight. And then you, you have it. And, uh, and the biggest thing is you got to read your kids. What are their needs? And not just wrestling needs, their life needs. And when you learn to read kids, you get to be, um, you get to be a person that gets to learn a whole lot because you, if you don't learn from everybody, from every conversation that you have, then you're not paying attention to what's around you. And it's, it's going to be tough to build anything. And it's, it's, it's been fun. I, I've, I've really enjoyed going into programs and that were struggling like five or six wrestlers and, you know, build that up in a year, we get 25 out and, you know, they might not have been the greatest wrestlers right away in the world, but they were figuring it out and they wanted to be part of something that was successful and success is in the eyes of the beholder. And you, you just got to know that, uh, Hey, when you're proud of what you did and the commitments that you put together, you're successful. Amen. Coach, I appreciate you joining us. I think, you know, we, there's a lot to learn in here and, and, and ultimately for me, it's, who are you and what are you committed to? Cause you, you put those two things together and you do it long enough. Just like I think you've demonstrated, you do it long enough, you commit long enough. Good things are going to happen. Congratulations on your induction to the hall of fame. Thank you for joining us. Uh, have a great day. Well, thanks for having me and appreciate all your questions. Jamie, we have had the opportunity to talk to incredible people. Coach Holman, uh, Hall of Famer, 
in every sense of the word. And, yeah. and I think yeah, I, I never got to wrestle for him. Obviously we know some people that did and, and what he poured into their life, but man, there's a ton of takeaways in there and it just seeps out of him. You know, we, yeah. you talk about, I hear you say that all the time where it's like, man, when it's in there and it comes out, those are the people that you want to surround yourself. And he is definitely one of those people. Yeah. You know, when it spills over, like you, you just get it because it spills out of them. Like you just like, yeah. uh, by contact, you get better. You know what I mean? And, and the thing that I think is, is so evident, right. Is that when you order your life in such a way that you influence people, he talked about that it's influence, not control, right? When you order your life in such a way that you can influence people in everything that you do, you know, Hey, I, I know you had a rough day today. Let's talk about it. I know you had a rough match. Let's talk about it. I know you're really excited about this. Let's talk about it. Like when you can meet people where they are and show them that the best way to become your best self is to order all of it, right? To bring integrity, to bring consistency, to commit to who you want to be and who you are becoming. And as a result, you will become that thing. It may not be today or tomorrow. You know, you said it. It's not if they show up, right? Or if they follow you once, but do they show up again? Like that is the challenge to all of us as coaches, as athletes, as people in life is to not show up one time, but to be committed to being that person each time. And when we fail, which we will, have some grace with yourself. Forgive yourself for the failure. Don't let that be the thing that identifies that you identify with because you might have shown up 50, 70, 80, 100, 1,000 times. And then that one time changes your perspective of who you are. And what I think is really cool is when you do it over and over and over again, that one failure doesn't seem like such a big deal anymore. You know, it's, I'm, that's not who I am. I I've proven it so many times that I'm something other than this. You know, I like, like you say, it just spills out of him and it's hard not to be successful as a coach when it, when that's who you are. Well, and it takes, takes it back all the way to the beginning where he talked about his three commitments, you know, commitment came up throughout in everything that and responsibility commitment, but his three commitments, be a good person commitment to your family and to whatever job it is that you're doing. If you're a student, if you're an employee, if you're a coach, whatever that is. Right. And so when you keep those things in, in priority of order, right. Yeah. Okay. Am I being a good person here? Like the failure, the disappointment, yeah. right. If you can, if you can go back to that first commitment and say, okay, I'm, I'm handling this in a way that I am proud of. I want to be, this is who I want to be. Right. Then the job part of it, like, okay, that's going to take care. And the thing that I love about this is like, we can define these things in whatever way we want to, right? We, and that's, that was part of who he was too, right? You have to choose it. Like yeah. as a wrestler, I have to choose which moves work for me. We talked about, that. I have to choose the stuff that I'm invested in. Well, okay. Family is part of the commitment, right? But who's your family? Who are the people we've talked about that here, right? The family you choose, who are the people that you're going to be committed to and that you're going to show up for again and again and again. Okay. What does being a good person look like for you? For him, he's a man of faith. Like we obviously share a Christian faith. Like we have identity priorities based on some of those things. Choose for yourself. Yeah. Right. Like choose for yourself what it looks like. And then what is your work? What is your life's work? What is your purpose? What is your passion? Choose it. You know what I mean? Like if it's competing, go compete. If it's coaching, go coach. 
if it's building a business, do that with unbelievable integrity and discipline and just choose it, choose it again and again and again. And we got a chance, like take a step each and every day. How many times have we said that? I appreciate you guys joining us today on another step on the journey of getting better, finding our best and ultimately living eyes up. We couldn't do without you. And we know that there's room to grow. If there is value in this episode for you, there's going to be somebody in your life that needs to hear the words of, of coach and the, the things that he shared that poured out of him today. So please share it, give it away, find somebody who can find value in this discussion, this conversation that we just got to have. Jamie, appreciate you. And as always, live eyes up.